For the rest of us, let's open our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 2. Matt read from it just a few moments ago. And I thought since this is uh, still only two days after Christmas, it would still be appropriate for us to look at what God's Word says concerning the birth and the arrival of Jesus Christ. We're going to return to our study of the book of Romans next week. Romans chapter 2 will begin uh, that next Sunday. But for one final Sunday this morning, we want to look at what the gospel writers describe concerning the birth of Jesus Christ. We'll be in Luke 2, verses 15 to 20 this morning. We're looking at a section of Scripture that deals with the responses of the shepherds and Mary to the birth of Christ. For a long time, I've been intrigued by the various responses to Christ's birth described in the New Testament. And there are varied and multiple responses and reactions that we see in the Scriptures to the arrival of Christ. On the one hand, with Herod, we see hostility and hatred and opposition, who he himself thought of himself as the the king of the Jews, and yet when the true king of the Jews was born, Herod hated it. He was hostile to that idea and sought to kill Christ. There's the unbelief of Zacharias, who when he was first told that his son, he would have a son, that son would be the forerunner of Christ, the Messiah, he did not believe it, such so that God struck him deaf and mute, unable to speak and hear. There are those who are indifferent to it. Those who were there when Christ was born, presumably in the city of Bethlehem and the area around, who really had no idea and no concept of the fact that This was the God's king, the true king, who had arrived into this world. There's hostility, there's unbelief, there's indifference. And then maybe on the opposite side, we see those who are profoundly impacted by the arrival of Christ, who fall down in worship and adoration and praise and exaltation, for they realize the significance and the monumental weight of this moment with the arrival of Christ into this world. And so we hear this morning about Simeon and Anna. We read in Matthew chapter 2 about the Magi. And we see all throughout Scripture those who understood the implications of the arrival of Christ and responded with a heart of worship and praise and adoration. There are two responses in that vein that I'd like us to look at this morning, the response of the shepherds and the response of Mary, and they are found for us in verses 15 to 20 of Luke chapter 2. Would you follow along as I read these verses? Verse 15, it says, and it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, just as had been told them." These verses contain for us the description of how the shepherds and how Mary responded to the the arrival of Christ into this world. And I believe that in a sense, these verses provide for us a model, a description of what we need to be like, how we need to likewise respond to this time of year and the arrival of our Savior. You remember, just a quick review, back in verses 1 to 7, we saw the arrival of Jesus Christ. His actual birth contained for us in these verses, described in verses 1 to 7 as Luke records for us this monumental event. 
And he describes how Caesar Augustus, this pagan emperor, actually was used by God to orchestrate the events to bring Christ into this world in Bethlehem as he moved Mary and Joseph from Nazareth down into Bethlehem in exact fulfillment of the prophet Micah. And it was there in a stable amongst the animals that Christ, the King of the world, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, entered into this world. Born to a young couple, just 13, 14, 15 years old. Not in the confines of a nice hospital or not with anyone around them there to help them. No mom, no nurses, no doctors. It was there in that stinking, smelling, filthy, uncomfortable stable that that Christ entered into this world. And there's no fanfare, and there's no celebration, and there's no great fireworks here when this happens. Just this kind of nondescript event. Yet it was the most significant event in human history. No one knew about it initially. But as we saw last week in verses 18 to 14, suddenly the, the news came out because heaven couldn't contain its silence any longer. And so in verses 8 to 14, we saw this marvelous description of how heaven erupted and the angel shows up and a multitude of angels show up to actually communicate and celebrate and announce this incredible news that Christ has come. And there are these shepherds out in their fields doing what shepherds do, just kind of hanging out and doing the shepherding thing, minding their own business when all of a sudden an angel arrives from heaven, holy, strong, brilliant, Mighty, this angel, probably Gabriel, stands beside them, announces to them that that Christ has been born. And what a significant event this was, we have to understand, because angels just didn't do this on a regular basis. It had been 500 years since an angel had made an announcement like this, except for the recent announcement made to Mary and Joseph and Zacchaeus, or not Zacchaeus, uh, Zacharias, wrong Z. Suddenly, here they are, surrounded by this angel and the glory of the Lord. And then suddenly this angelic multitude which is there around them shouting in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. This was a universal message of salvation, a universal message of redemption, a proclamation of the fact that Christ has been born, a Savior has been given to the world, to us. That marvelous description, this will be for great joy, For you, for all the people, this was a message of universal salvation. Not that all are saved, but it's a proclamation made to all people that they can be saved in Christ. And it's a message of individual salvation. He says, to you has been given a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We said last week that that description, Christ the Lord, Savior, is one of the best descriptions, one of the most marvelous explanations and and titles for the fact that Christ has come to redeem sinners. He is truly the Savior. He is the rescuer. He is the redeemer. He is the one sent from heaven by God to rescue sinners. He didn't come to fix our broken relationships simply. He didn't come to improve our lives. He didn't come to make us have a better self-worth. He came to save. He came to rescue. He came to deliver. He came to to save sinners from their sins and the wrath of God which is poured out upon those who will not receive his gift of forgiveness. He is the Savior. 
He is Christ, the anointed one, the the king, the ruler, the sovereign, the Lord of lords, and he is the Lord, which is a description of the fact that he is God in human flesh. This is the God-man, the incarnation, God in human flesh, and the angel announces this incredible news to these lowly, humble shepherds. It's truly a spectacular event. And if you want to get the news out to people that Christ has been born, you think you'd go to the movers and the shakers. You think you'd go to the the highfalutin people of society, the the politically elite, the socially elite, the religiously elite. Those are the people you think you'd go to to get this word out, but that's not how God works. He uses a humble couple from a nondescript village in another obscure little town of Bethlehem. And he makes this wonderful announcement to these humble, lowly shepherds. Christ has come to deliver sinners from the penalty of sin, which is hell itself, from the power of sin, which is the domination of of sin, from the, the, uh, the, the presence of sin, that when Christ transforms you, he will one day take you and to be with himself. And the way that God emphasized this, the way that he punctuated this, is he sent a whole multitude of angels, it says in verses 13 and 14, to underscore the fact that this is marvelous news. We said last week we don't know exactly how many there were. Millions, perhaps a hundred million angels who were there suddenly appearing with the one angel who was announcing this great news, all saying together, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. So this, this is the setting. And we see starting now in verses 15 to 20, the, the response of the shepherds. How do they respond to this miraculous and monumental event? We see the response of the godly. We see the response of the righteous. We see the heart of those who truly understand and grasp the significance of, of this event. And I want you to consider this. I want you to think this morning what it would have been like to be in their shoes to hear this news, to have this announcement, to see the Christ, I believe their response should be our response. What we see here in verses 15 to 20 is just a simple, straightforward account. You're not going to see anything new today. You're not going to hear anything different. You're not going to find anything that you haven't seen before. It's just a simple, straightforward, historical chronology of the events that took place that night as the shepherds hear about the arrival of Christ. And I want you to see their responses. And I want you to see that Luke is one who likes to communicate the responses of the people. Back in chapter 1, he records the, the response of Zacharias and Elizabeth, and he records the response of Mary, and he records the response, as we see in chapter 2, of the angels, and he records the response in chapter 2 of Simeon and and Anna, and here he is again in these verses recording for us the response of the shepherds and the response of Mary herself. I want you to see these, just two points this morning. First, number one is the response of the, the shepherds, and then point number two is the response of Mary. And I want you to see how significant an event this was. And I want you to see the heart of these people, the shepherds and Mary, as they understand and they respond to this incredible news. Let's look at these together. First, number one is the response of the shepherds. The response of the shepherds. I love their response. It's, it's an incredible, humble, marvelous response to the greatest news that has ever entered the human realm. We don't know how long the 
angels were there. We don't know how long that announcement actually took place in in the previous verses. We don't know how long this event occurred out in the fields as the angel announces to them the arrival of Christ and the multitude of angels was around them. We're not quite sure how long that little worship service in the field lasted. Probably just a few moments. Probably just a brief, short, intense experience. I'm sure the angels were mighty in their appearance, and I'm sure the shepherds wished that this moment had lasted a little longer than it did. Probably for just a few moments, this all took place. What did they do? How did they respond to this announcement? What, what was their reaction to what actually took place that night? I want to show you maybe three responses that flow out of this text and three reactions that these men had in response to this marvelous announcement. First, it's an immediate response. We see an immediate response, and we can see it in verse 15. Look what he says. And it came about when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Their their reaction is an immediate one. Their, Their response is We've got to do something about this right now. They didn't wait for someone to lead them. They didn't wait for someone to force them to comply. They didn't try and have someone tell them what to do at this moment. Altogether, they come together and they had the same response. They all begin thinking the same thing. They all begin uh, thinking that they had to, at that moment, go and see exactly what has been announced in the city of Bethlehem. There's an eagerness. There's a zeal, there's a joy, there's an anticipation, there's an excitement. And mark this, no one told them they had to go. The angel didn't say they needed to go. The multitude of angels didn't tell them that they needed to go. No, these men, understanding the full weight and the implications of what has just been announced to them, together, corporately, come together and are in full agreement saying, we must go immediately to see what has taken place. You can almost imagine the conversations taking place between them. And there's a lot of details here that, that Luke doesn't fill in for us, which I wish he did because it might help us truly understand more of what actually was going on in, in this circumstance. But who took care of the sheep? How, how do you, how, what happens? What happens to these sheep out in the field? And, and who was there to, to kind of watch over them as these men distanced themselves and went into the town? We don't know. Did one stay behind? Did someone else kind of come and look after that? We don't know what happened. Luke doesn't tell us those details, but somehow these men figured it out. They came up with a solution and they made their way into that little village of Bethlehem. There was no delay here. This was an immediate need. They had to go. It was an immediate reaction, an immediate response to this marvelous news that had just been proclaimed to them. Verse 15 says, the shepherds began saying to one another, and the way this is written in the original is that they were actually engaged in a heated kind of ongoing discussion. This was something that was, they kept talking about, they kept discussing, they kept engaging each other. What are we going to do? How are we going to make this happen? How are we going to go into the city? They were talking and saying and and conversing and discussing about how this was going to take place. These were repeated discussions. They had to go. Their response was immediate. Their reaction was immediate. Verse 15, they were saying to one another, let us go straight 
to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. There's a sense of urgency. There's a, a sense of compulsion. They have to go. There's an eagerness. They said, let us go straight. Immediately. The, the idea here is we've got to go now. We've got to go at once. We've got to go without delay. We've got to go quickly. We've got to go see the news that has been made known to us. Tradition tells us that these fields in which they were shepherding were about two miles away from the city of Bethlehem. And so this was a little jaunt. This was not something that they could just get up and go and they're there. There was a walk, there was a, a travel, there was a journey, there was at least a good half hour, maybe 45 minute walk for them to get from their fields into Bethlehem to see this. So they knew they had to cover some distance. They knew they had to make up some, some ground. Let us go and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. Let us see this thing. Let us see this word. Let us see this statement. Let us see this matter. Let us see this reality which has been described to us and and announced to us. Let us go and see for ourselves what has been declared to us. Now, you remember that the angel had given them a sign. It's up in verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. That that was a sign. And so they had a, a clear evidence of the fact that they could confirm and they could verify what had been announced to them if they would just go into the town and they would see the sign which had been given to them. And that's what they're doing here. They're saying, let's go see. Let's go find the sign. Let's go see for ourselves. Let's verify. Let's confirm the very thing that has been announced to us. There's an urgency here. There's an immediacy here. There's a need to go quickly. That's exactly what they did. Verse 16, so they came in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. They, they, they made haste. They, they went quickly. They were in a hurry, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph, and they saw him, the baby, lying in the manger. It's one of the reasons why I believe, as I said last week, that these men were God-fearing shepherds. I think these men knew the Lord. I think they had an understanding of who God was. I think they had a kind of an Old Testament relationship with God. They were true Old Testament saints and true Old Testament believers because of the desire to go see exactly what had been announced to them. And then down in verse 17, as it says, that they made known the statement which had been told them. And then in verse 20, they went back glorifying and praising God. I believe that the heart of these men were the heart of believers, see in them a desire to go verify what has been announced to them. I think they were genuine followers of God among those who are truly seeking the redemption of Israel. Verse 16 says, they actually went, they came in haste, and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. Now, there, are, there are so many details. Uh, there's so much between verses 16 and 17. I wish Luke had kind of filled in the gaps for us because there's, there's so much I want to know. How long did, how long did the trip take? Who, who did they talk to on their way? And how did they find their way to Mary and Joseph? Luke doesn't tell us. We're left to use somewhat of our sanctified imaginations. But I can imagine that The shepherds arrived in the town and they began maybe knocking on doors. 
Have you heard about the child? Have you seen the child? We think it was still night. Verse 8 says that all this took place when they were out in their fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And so if they left immediately, presumably it's still dark, it's still night, and we don't know what kind of reception they would have received. If you're banging on doors at 2 in the morning, you might get not a very welcome reception. Here they are, these men looking around, searching. We don't know how long they searched. We don't know who they found. We don't know who they talked to. We don't know how many doors they knocked on. We don't know how they actually found their way to Christ. But we have to imagine that somehow word got out and word began to travel around the the village and the city that there's men looking for the Christ. He's been born here. Somehow word gets out. Somehow the, the details get out and they actually find their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. It must, it must have been an incredible sight. Put yourself in the shoes of these men who've been out in their fields minding their own business and an angel shows up with this incredible news, the most incredible news that's ever been heard in the history of mankind. This is the news that all Israel was waiting for. This was the news that that every faithful Jew was anticipating. This was what they were hoping for, the arrival of the Messiah. This was what they wanted to hear. This is what they had been banking on and looking forward to. And suddenly, the announcement has been made. They make their journey. They knock on doors. They find their way to this home. And as they open the door, there is Christ. wrapped up in cloths, lying in a feed trough. And I have to imagine at that moment there was just a joy that absolutely flooded their hearts. A gladness, an excitement, a sense of just being overwhelmed at the moment when they entered into this little stable, probably in a guest house somewhere, where they actually for the first time laid eyes upon Christ. If you've had children, you, you understand what that's like. You see your child for the first time. You're anticipating the arrival of your child, and suddenly the child comes into the world, and you lay eyes on your child for the first time. That, that's a monumental event. And while it's not their child, at the same time, these shepherds who have been anticipating the arrival of Messiah, they, for the first time, lay their eyes upon the Messiah in baby form. It must have been a significant, marvelous moment. And yet, infinitely greater than that, because they're laying eyes upon God. God in human flesh. must have been an overwhelming moment for these men as they, for the first time, see the newborn Christ. So many questions come into my mind at this point. What was that initial conversation like between them and Joseph and Mary? A hi, you don't know us. Um, we were out in the fields and an angel arrived and said that we, we need to come and see the child. And what was that initial conversation like? How do you, how do you begin that dialogue? How, how would they have described the events that they had just experienced in the field? It must have been a marvelous, 
discussion, them telling how they made the journey in, them telling maybe how they were knocking on doors, maybe them telling how they actually arrived at that very location, and then describing the, not only the one angel, but all the multitude of angels who had been around them announcing glory to God in the highest. This must have been a, a spectacular, monumental conversation between these shepherds and Mary and Joseph. And I have to imagine on the flip side, for Mary and Joseph, this too was an incredible conversation. And again, put yourself in their shoes. They're 13, 14, 15, just a young couple, no family around them. They've made the long journey from Nazareth down to Bethlehem over 80 miles. They've just witnessed the birth of their firstborn and the birth of God Himself in human form. Put yourself in their shoes for a moment and just begin to to imagine what it would have been like for them to hear the shepherds describe their account of what was taking place out in the fields and the angelic messengers and, and think about what it would have been like for them to hear confirmation of the fact that indeed their child was Christ, the Messiah. I have to imagine for them it was a great sense of confirmation that what had been announced to them nine months previous and what had actually just taken place that night was actually what God promised to them would happen. Tremendous moment. As Christ arrives, the shepherds arrive and announce to Joseph and Mary what has just taken place that evening. This was an immediate response on the heart of the shepherds. They had to go. They had to be there to witness this event, to, to confirm and to verify all that had been told them. There's a second response I think you see in the heart of the shepherds. You see also an evangelistic response. There's an evangelistic response on the heart of, of the shepherds who were there that evening. Now, look at verse 18, 17. It says, And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this Christ. Here they are having witnessed the most incredible event in human history. And after laying eyes upon Christ, after seeing Him there, verse 17 says, when they had seen this, they went out and they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. They become the first evangelists these men, these, these shepherds who are out in their fields are now in town and they see Christ and they then leave having become the very first evangelists to the arrival and the birth of Jesus Christ. Who did they tell? We don't know. It doesn't tell us. Luke doesn't fill in these details for us. We, we don't know who these men went out and told and made known the statement to concerning Christ. We're not privy to those details. Most likely it was the people in Bethlehem. The, the people who were milling around the, the village, the city, perhaps there's been kind of a, a stir that's been uh, brought about because of this incredible news. And maybe now by this time it's morning and, and people are out milling around and news on the street is that the Messiah has been born in their town. And so perhaps it's those people that, that these shepherds go out and begin to engage and begin to relate to and begin to, to share with them the, the incredible news that is taking place. And put yourself in their shoes again. Nothing like this has ever taken place in their life. Listen, if you're a shepherd, life's pretty mundane. 
You care for sheep, you feed sheep, you water sheep, you bring them back to the pen, and it starts all over the next day. Not a lot of excitement when you're a shepherd, not a lot of things to really get you motivated and excited, but this is a little different. This is one of those events that was most likely the defining event of their life. And when you have a life-defining moment, you're going to tell people. You're going to go tell them. You're going to go share with them. You're going to go tell the story far and wide. And that's exactly what you see here in the heart of the shepherds. Their response is one of evangelistic excitement and zeal. They're out. They're rubbing shoulders with the people in the village. And and the only thing that can come out of them is this welling up within them, this zeal and this desire to proclaim and announce the arrival of Christ. Verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. The people marveled. The people were amazed. The word is thaumadzo. They were filled with wonder. They were filled with awe. They were filled with a sense of incredible awe and wonder and astonishment over the events that had taken place that evening. And it's understandable why. Because as I said, this is what Israel was looking for. This was what they were hoping for. This was the very hope that it was in the heart of every faithful Jew. This was incredible news. The people were amazed. They were wondering. They were astonished over the things that were told them by these shepherds. By the way, you may be interested to know that this is one of Luke's favorite words, wonder. And all throughout the book of Luke, he uses it over and over and over again to describe the reaction of the part of the people to Christ. And everywhere Christ went, he brought about in the hearts of the people a sense of wonder and a sense of amazement and a sense of astonishment. Look over in verse 33, Luke chapter 2, verse 33, as Joseph and Mary hear about Simeon describing what their son would be like. Look at verse 33. It says, And his father and his mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. They're amazed. Same word. Go over to chapter 4, verse 22. Just a couple of chapters. Chapter 4, verse 22. It says, And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. And they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? You see, in the heart of the people, there, there's this amazement. They were wondering. They were in awe. They were astonished. This is what Christ does. He produces in the heart of people a sense of awe. Go over to chapter 8, verse 25. Verse 25 of chapter 8 says, And he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were fearful, and they were amazed, saying to one another, Who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water? And they obey him. See, everywhere Jesus went, he produced astonishment and wonder and amazement in the heart of people. Now, certainly not all of those were redeemed. Certainly not all of those who were astonished and held in wonder at Christ believed and were truly regenerate. But you see with the effect that Christ had upon people. He truly was an amazing man. 
He truly was a man that produced in the heart of people a sense of awe and wonder. And this is the the response of the shepherds. Go back to Luke chapter 2. This is what they're doing. They're describing. They themselves are in awe. They themselves are in wonder. And they go announce and proclaim the arrival of Christ. And that produces in the heart of the people a similar amazement and wonder over the fact that Christ has been born. So here they are, these lowly, humble shepherds, out evangelizing. Friends, listen, you don't need to be a great orator. You don't need to have it all together. You don't need to figure it all out and how to proclaim and be a faithful evangelist. You just got to speak about Christ. These, these were the low of society. These were the outcasts of society. And here they are telling forth and making known the statement which had been told them about this child. Tremendous example for us that we too would bear witness to the person and work of Jesus Christ. There's another response. Thirdly, there's a worshipful response. Skip down to verse 20. We'll come back to verse 19 in just a moment. Verse 20, a worshipful response. Verse 20 says, And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen just as had been told them. I don't know how you go back to shepherding after a moment like this. How do you go back to sheep after this? How do you go back to the work of a shepherd? How do you go back to to feeding and leading and, and shepherding and protecting? How do you go back to that mundane work after an event like this? But that's exactly what happened. They went back, verse 20 tells us, but they went back different. They went back changed. They they went back significantly impacted. Such that they went back glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as had been told them. Friends, isn't this the purpose of the incarnation? Isn't this the reason for the arrival of Christ? Isn't this the reason Christ ultimately came was to produce wonder, love, glory, and praise for Him and the Father as He redeems sinners and draws them to Himself? That's the end goal. It's glory to God. It's exaltation to the Father and the Son for their work of redemption. And that's exactly what you see in the heart of the shepherds. They've been impacted to the point that they go back to what they were doing. Exalting, glorifying, worshiping, praising God. Friends, this is the reason Christ came. It's not just to draw you to Himself. It's not just to save you from your sins. It's not just to to bring you into a relationship with Him so you can avoid the fires of hell. That's not ultimately the end goal. The end goal is glory to God. The end goal is worship and praise to Him. And all throughout the book of Luke, you can see, again, Luke's heart to communicate the fact that he understands that's why Christ came, to produce worship. Luke chapter 2. Look over in verse 28. Luke records, Then he, Simeon, took him into his arms, blessed God. He blessed God. The the heart of, of a true follower of God, a true follower of Christ, is going to understand that their response is to worship. You can see it over in chapter 5. You can see it over in chapter 7. This is the right response for those who understand the implications of the Incarnation. 
This is the right response for those who understand the crux of the cross. This is the right understanding, the right reaction to those who truly grasp what Christmas is about. It's worship, it's adoration, it's glory to God, it's praise to Him. This is what the shepherds did. This is how they responded. And I would ask you this morning, how's your worship? How's your praise? How's your heart towards the Lord? Is it full of wonder, love, praise, adoration for the King of kings and the Lord of lords who has humbled himself and become a man to dwell among us, to redeem us and rescue us and give us a new life? Is that your response? So you see the heart of the shepherds, an immediate response, an evangelistic response, a worshipful response. There's one more response. Not only the response of the shepherds, but number two, the response of Mary. And I want you to skip back up to verse 19. Because I think here we get a little window into the heart of Mary herself. We saw a little window back into chapter 1 as she is told that she's going to be the mother of Christ. But you get another little picture here of of what Mary was thinking in light of this incredible event that has just taken place. Verse 19 says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Maybe you who are moms this morning, maybe you can appreciate this a little bit more than the rest of us can. Maybe you understand what it's like to to conceive a child and to give birth to a child and then to hold that child into your hands, to look into that child's face for the first time. Perhaps you can understand that more than many of us can. And yet I believe that's even insufficient to capture the weight of this moment. She's given birth to the Son of God. She's given birth to God in human flesh. She has been the human instrument through which God has chosen to bring Himself into this world. And I have to imagine at this moment, in her mind and her heart are all kinds of thoughts and questions. And she's pondering and she's thinking more than perhaps any woman in history has ever done. Will I nurse this child like I nurse any other child? Will I raise this child like any other child? Is he going to perform miracles? And if so, how soon? All kinds of questions must have been swirling in her mind and her heart. When will he take hold of his kingdom? When will he enter into his glory? And how am I going to raise a sinless child? must have been some incredible questions going through her mind and her heart. So verse 19 says, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. The word treasure means that she held them close. 
She, she held them tightly. She kept on thinking about these things. She kept them in her mind. She kept them safe. She kept them close to her. She couldn't forget these things. She, she thought and thought and thought and pondered and pondered and pondered. The word ponder actually means to, to put thoughts together, to think seriously about, to debate, to confer. That's what's going on in her mind. She's putting all different kinds of thoughts together, trying to wrestle through and think through and, and balance all of her thoughts with her emotions in her heart. Just a few days later, as we saw in the reading from Scripture this morning over in verses 34 and 35, just a few days later, she would learn that her, her son, her child, would bring great pain to her. Verse 34 says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed, and a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. She had to balance all kinds of emotions, contemplations, thoughts. And so Luke captures here. We get a little window into her heart. She treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. Look over in verse 51. You get another little window there as well. It says, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. She thought deeply about her son. She thought deeply about who Christ would be. She weighed heavily the implications of giving birth to the Son of God. I believe there's a model for us there. None of us can relate to her in this sense, but in a sense we should be those who similarly think deeply about Christ we, we should think much about Christ. We should have our thoughts and our hearts and our minds engaged in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And that's why I believe Christmas is such an important time of year, not for the celebrations, not for all the activities that surround it, but for us to focus our hearts once again upon who Christ is. To see the response of men who were told out in the fields of his arrival. To see the response of a woman who, who actually gave birth to Christ. To see her treasuring up these things, pondering things. I believe there's an example for us of what it means to think about Christ, to ponder Christ, to know Christ. So what's, what's your response to Christ? What's your response to Christmas What's your response to the arrival of the Son of God born in human flesh? We can see wonder, we can see praise, we can see adoration, we can see exaltation, we can see pondering, we can see thinking, we can see evangelism. Friends, this, this is what should be characteristic of the people of God, the righteous people of God, the godly people. This is what should motivate, define, and characterize the followers of Jesus Christ. So what's your response? Are you still in awe? Are you still in wonder? Do you ponder Christ? And are you telling people about the greatest gift the world has ever known? Join me in prayer. Lord, you've shown us this morning how the godly respond 
to the birth of Christ. You've shown us this morning what what it's like to be hit with the most monumental news the world has ever received. And God, we pray that we will be like these people, that we will respond in a similar way as the shepherds in the heart of Mary, that we will ponder these things, that we will think deeply about Christ. We pray, Father, that we will recognize again who Christ truly is, that He is the Savior, the Redeemer, the Rescuer. And we pray, Father, that our hearts would likewise respond in wonder, love, and praise. Lord, if there are any here this morning who've not trusted You, who've not received You, we pray for Your grace upon them that You would draw them to Yourself. Open their eyes. Let them see the glory of God in the face of Christ. And let them respond with a heart of submission, receiving you as Lord and Savior. And Father, for any who who may find themselves with their hearts somewhat cold to Christ, we pray, Lord, that this description of the reaction of the shepherds and Mary would fan a flame in their hearts to once again think deeply about who Christ is to respond with love and affection and worship and praise. And God, that their hearts too would be likely inclined to know you and to worship you and to walk with you. For you truly are Savior, Christ the Lord. We thank you for these things, and it's in your humble and precious name that we pray. Amen.